Salutation Shades, and welcome back to your one-stop shop for all things strange and unusual, Talking with Shadows, the conversation everyone has, but no one wants to admit to. Here with your host, Vic Waitley. And Marcus D. And kicking right off the bat, what we're going to do is we're going to give a big shout out to our two newest patron supporters. New patrons! Chill7509 and Killer Turnus. Thank you so much for signing up and becoming patrons. We always appreciate that kind of support from you guys. So many hearts, man. So many hearts. Absolutely. Uh, so we're recording a little bit earlier in the day than we normally get to. I got off work a little bit early today, and uh, we had a fun little excursion to Los Bravos. Oh, my God. You're going to tell this story? Absolutely. I'm going to tell this story. So, like, before every Let's episode... explain what Los Bravos is. It's a Mexican restaurant. I'm pretty I, sure I that most people that listen to this know what Los Bravos is. I have the utmost confidence in our listeners. I don't think it's a chain, but based on what we just said, they now understand it's a Mexican restaurant. Yes, it is. And we, uh, before every episode, we get together and we go out and we kind of talk about the episode that we're going to do. Normally we go to Sonic, but today we wanted to be a little bit nicer on our bodies and get a little bit better customer service. So we're driving out to Los Bravos. And I'm not paying attention while Vic's driving. And all of a sudden Vic's like, where are we? I can't. <laughs> Where's those Bravos at? And I'm like, How do you, we've gone to this place many times. So I pull out my I pull out my phone and I hit up on the GPS. And eventually Vic's like, no, 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 now I know where it's at. Now I know where it's at. Turn that thing off. It's annoying me. It was being really annoying. It no. just kept saying, make a U-turn, make a U-turn. Yeah, which I said you need to do so that way you're paying attention and know where you're going. And finally, he's like, you need to turn that off. And I'm like, fine, turn it off. And he pulls into a restaurant, and immediately he gets out. And I'm like, I'm like no, no, you go ahead. You go ahead. I got to make a phone call. I'm going to wait. I'm going to take a moment here. And then Vic just gets out of the car. It takes like two steps, and it just stops. As he realized, he has pulled in to a completely... Wrong restaurant, by yeah, the way. I, I look up at the sign expecting it to say Las Bravos and it says Thai cuisine, and I have this moment of disconnect, being like, "What? What? No, 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 no! You're underplaying this. Thai cuisine in huge <laughs> letters across the side of the building, and then we used the GPS to find the correct <laughs> restaurant. I don't. Okay, in my defense. I've been going really hard on my workouts lately, and today I had just, before we met up, just got done with a really intensive workout, and I was stupid, stupid, stupid hungry. You know that sort of hungry where your brain's not firing right and you can't focus? I was 100% there. So, yeah. So, and also in your defense, you didn't know where you were going. Well, I, I generally know where I, I when I got in the car, I thought I knew where Los Bravos was. Apparently, I didn't. And also, in your defense, too, I'm also moving a little bit slower today because I just got the second COVID vaccine like yesterday, so I'm going at about a snail's pace today. Ooh, but I'm super still. I'm still super glad that I got it. So he has not stopped complaining about that shot since I picked. I feel him like up. a truck. Ran me over, man. I'd still get it again in a heartbeat, but... 
And then I proceeded to uh, lock myself out of the house today. When I stepped out of the house, I didn't have Vic come pick me up. Uh, it's okay, man. I got your back. <laughs> so, But we're super excited to be uh, back in the studio recording today because uh, I have no other option until my wife gets home from work. <laughs> so I'm like, we're going to record an episode today. We're going to go ahead and go ahead and record this episode. Um, if you guys haven't already, go check out... Uh, the last two episodes that we did, Betty and Barney Hill abduction story, the OG of alien abduction stories, as well as the bonus episode that we put up for you guys, just because we guys love you that much. That was a really fun one. Yes, where we talk about the Men in Black with Johnny Smith. And drink the worst beers we can find. It, they were awful. They, Mine was, I was hoping for something really bad. Mine was only okay, but you can get a... Full review of them. Yeah, and if you listen to it. And then again, maybe how I'm feeling is probably not related to the vaccine. It's just related to how awful that beer was. That's why I'm skipping drinking today. I'm yeah. still recovering from my King Cobra. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, I'm drinking Diet Coke today. And I'm drinking Coke Zero. Because we bougie like that. Super exciting. Because we're, we're bougie like that. Real pinky. <laughs> um, but again, also super excited because this weekend, guys, we are heading to Cave City. To investigate Mammoth Cave Baptist Church in the Mammoth Cave National Park. We're going to be going there with uh, Ricardo Bruckman from Mount Vernon Paranormal. Super, super excited. Oh yeah, it's been a while since we've been able to get you out in the field. No, I know. So, you know, because I already had that. Well, normally I go to an anime convention every... Yes, because I'm cool like that, guys. Every March. And this year, again, for COVID, it's canceled. So, I'm like, I have this weekend off. You have this weekend off. So does Ricky. Let's go on an investigation. So we're going to be heading to Cave City to investigate this church. We're going to be there for two days. We're going to get some awesome footage. And we're going to record an episode off-site where we're going to talk alien abductions with Ricardo Bruckman as well. And we'll be recording it in a haunted hotel. That's true. But going over some of the comments that we had from... We'll do the Betty and Barney Hill. We won't do the one with Johnny Smith yet because it's only been up for a day. But uh, the ones from the Betty and Barney Hill episode... Casey Hill says, wouldn't DNA simply be the genetic code of a living entity? Why wouldn't there be some non-Earth equivalent? Which there was a funny reply, by the way, from somebody called named Jeremy Young that said, I agree with you, but maybe we shouldn't expect DNA expertise from guys making videos while drinking so early in the morning. <laughs> Fun listening, though. Shots fired. Okay, okay. First, to address the first statement, yes, I would agree that if biological life on other planets works at all like life on Earth, which it likely would follow a similar pathing, um, I would say they would have a equivalent of DNA. But it would be an incredible coincidence if we came from, if, if our life evolved entirely separate from theirs, it would be a massive coincidence for it to take on the exact same form. They would have a mech, or they would likely have a mechanism for passing heritable traits, but it probably would not look identical to ours. If it did, that would be a amazing coincidence and a huge breakthrough. Uh, I'm not saying that they don't have some equivalency of DNA, but the thing is, unless it was DNA or extremely, and I mean extremely similar to DNA, down to the minutia, it would not be able to bond with each other in a way that it could read. Basically, DNA is a blueprint, and if half your blueprint is in one language, half it's in the other, probably 
a singular biological and he's not going to be able to correctly read it. More likely, the pieces just aren't going to be able to fit together. It's like using Legos in off-brand Legos. They're just not going to fit together correctly and create a viable offspring. Uh, and to the drinking, drinking thing. thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so. We are big boys and can drink and talk about biology whenever we want. Yeah, we pay our <laughs> bills. Okay. And also in our defense, we, what do we, how would this episode, how that episode sound if we were like, hey, we're going to talk about alien deductions while drinking orange juice. <laughs> Like, I'm sure we can't even find Tang anymore, okay? Maybe that might be the best thing to drink that early in the morning. But I will give it to you guys. You are correct. Likely they would have a mechanism for passing on heritable traits. I just don't think it would be it would be specifically DNA or something compatible with it. And maybe I should have made that point more clear when we were talking. And also probably, it is also probably not wise to drink that early in the morning. But again, guys, we are professionals. Do not try that at home. I don't know. I had kind of, I kind of had fun with it. That's why I said we're <laughs> professionals. Can you make us sound not professional? What you say? Okay. Um, Neil Stonewall, here, man. That uh, pro, that is appropriately named for yep. how that is spelled. I've always believed this abduction story because it's in the late fifties or so, and they're a mixed race couple. Back then, mixed race couples didn't go around saying crap to bring attention to themselves unless they had to, you know. Oh yeah, hundred percent, and they also had tons of incentive for this story to never come out. This hurt their lives way more than it ever could have helped it. J. Russ says, you got hit with a context editorial from YouTube. Yes, we did. I had never had, we'd never had one of those pop up on one of our videos. So essentially, shortly after the uh, episode goes up, YouTube slaps a link right under our episode that gives context to what we're talking about to make it under, to make it so people understand what we're talking about, and the what they reference as to clear this up is a Wikipedia page on alien abduction. <laughs> I tried so hard to be able to reply just with the Ron Swanson meme that just says, "I know more than you." <laughs> you know, if an eighth grader in school can't quote Wikipedia on their paper, we're not going to quote them. The YouTube can't quote that to us either. <laughs> I, I actually made a point to go through and read most of the article. It was, I guess, okay. Suck at YouTube and Wikipedia. But uh, truthfully, I think we explained the situation better than <laughs> yes, the, we did. the article did. I feel like people would get a better understanding of it listening to our stuff than reading what the Wikipedia has up on alien abduction. Gray9438 said, great episode. Thank you. There's been so many books and shows on this event, but you still had stuff I hadn't heard of. As for the graveyard event, it makes me think of what Whitley Stiver said about how after his wife read all those letters of people's abduction stories, they were sent, she came to the conclusion that the abduction phenomenon had something to do with death. I'm not going to lie. I've been getting that sort of feel from it as well, especially with there being some very obscure subtextual references to alchemy along with it. Well, I think so too. So many... I think I, I, at the same time, also, I, if you really are the guys that this is happening because aliens are trying to like understand human biology, death's part of that biology. So, I mean, I think that's going to happen if that's really what they're going to be investigating. Nighthawk, patron. Thank you, by the way. I'm also super, I am always super skeptical about anything involving hypnotherapy. 
The human brain is terrible at preserving memories and can easily be coaxed into forming false memories, whether intentionally or not. It's for this reason that the results of hypnotherapy are not accepted as evidence in court. Another big detail that bugs me about it is that their aliens were so keen on erasing any evidence, then why did they let Betty keep some memories? They obviously can completely erase memory as well as they did with Barney, so why does it not uh, why not do the same with Betty too? It just doesn't make any sense that they would completely erase her memory, uh, wouldn't completely erase her memory if they were worried about evidence of aliens' existence. Okay. I can give a little bit of context that I don't think we got to go into a, in the show on that one. When I was reading um, Captured, they talk a little bit why Betty's were more easy to, easy to recover and seeped into her subconscious and Barney didn't. It's because when they started to take Barney out of the car, he originally was fighting very hard and then had that moment of realizing he cannot stop it. And at that point, he just totally gave in. And when he did that total give-in thing, supposedly at least, um, what happened was is that made it so it took a strong hold. Betty didn't fight, but neither did she totally give in to the alien control. Um, everything she did was kind of on her terms, like when they were trying to get her on board the ship, once they realized that she was fighting out of their control pretty hard, they basically had to convince her to go on the ship and basically explain to her, it's like, hey, you don't have an alternative here. You should just comply. And she did, but since she was still somewhat resistant, that's what kept her guard up and allowed her to maintain some uh, memory of the situation. And oddly enough, the, the, one of the aliens even explains that to her when they're sitting there and talking. If I remember right, in the room that she thought was a lab room, um, and they were like, well, you're, you might remember some of this, but Barney won't ever be able to recover these memories, which ended up being inaccurate. But, and also you're, you're a hundred percent right when it comes to, um, like hypno or hypnagogic states and things like that. I actually used to discount almost anything that involved it, but when going through, um, the Betty and Barney Hill case, they did talk a lot about the test that they put in where they would intentionally try to mislead them away from um, what their story was to see could they be misled away from it and they pretty much always would go they'd, they would be like maybe it wasn't this maybe it was this other thing and when they would try to stray them from the um, what they felt was the truth they would always say no it wasn't like that it was like this I'm not saying that that means that it couldn't be faked, but that was a lot more, that was a lot more controls than I really expected to have. And often in, when it comes to abduction cases, a lot of times people are working with hypnotists. They were actually working with a um, psychiatrist that was specially trained in recovering memories lost of PTSD. And I think that lends maybe a little bit of uh, credibility to it as well. And at the same time, too, why one would remember something and maybe not the other, you have to also take into consideration that, like, every human being is different. You know, our brain chemistries are not all the same. Whether you look at hypno hypnotherapy or you look at anesthesia, like how that works. Different people, some people can't be hypnotized. Some people can be super easily hypnotized. Some people require a certain amount of anesthesia. Some people require an intense amount of anesthesia for it to work. So it's very possible that not every single person is going to respond to the way for, say, aliens trying to change our 
uh, like wipe our memory one another. There may be some people that are, you know, more resistant to it than others. And that would explain why Betty is able to remember certain things more than Barney is. So, Marcus, have you ever been hypnotized? Okay, so in college, one time, yes, this hypnotist came to uh, the University of Southern Indiana, and I volunteered to go up on stage. And he, like, hypnotizes, like, 15 people up on there. And I'm up there, too. I went along with the whole thing just because it was fun. I <laughs> pretended to be hypnotized the entire time just rolling with it just because I thought it was fun. He never asked me to do anything stupid. Like, the guy had, like, at one point... <laughs> Really early on, he hypnotizes all of us to believe that we were the uh, U.S. Olympic chair arranging, like, reorganizing team. And, like, one girl that was up there was the team captain. She was supposed to cheer us on and organize all of us. And at one point, there was a, he had a dinosaur, uh, like a Barney dinosaur, and was convincing all of, like, not me, because I knew it was a dinosaur, like, that he was, like, six feet tall and was telling everybody to shut up. <laughs> I've never had any sort of hypnosis like actually take hold on me and I don't know what's up with that. I even meditate and that's supposed to make you more susceptible to hypnosis. I, but I don't know. When it, you know, I went along with it because it was fun. Maybe other people do. I have no idea. But actually comment below if you guys have ever been hypnotized, please I would be very interested. Did it really work? Do you remember it? Did you go along with it like I do because it was fun? I definitely want to know that from you guys. Also, thank you so much for the question because that let us go into part of the Betty and Barney Hill case that we just didn't get a chance to go into. <laughs> and Okay, I think I'm ready to get into our topic for today. How about you? So am I. Okay. Now, how are we going to title this so YouTube doesn't immediately give us a strike? Okay, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna call this heart. We're gonna call this episode Heartland Harvest is what we're gonna go with. And we're going to be talking about the things that seem to happen to cows. I think you know what we mean, yeah. wink, wink. But YouTube really doesn't like it when we talk yeah. about that. Some, there's been this phenomenon where people have found uh, animals with certain parts of them removed. Uh, and we're going to be talking about that today's episode. So uh, if you're listening to this at work or out loud in public... You're brave. Uh, but this might not be the episode to do that. Also, if you're kind of squeamish, we've got 53 other episodes for you to, for you to catch up on. Um, and if not, our next episode is going to be recorded Saturday. I don't think it's that bad. I don't, I don't think it's that bad. Okay. Okay. First of all, I don't think your perception of what is that bad is accurate. Because I remember back when we were doing our episode on the Chupacabra, which that episode... Uh, on our YouTube channel was suggested by my nine-year-old cousin, who's, by the way, smarter than like 98% of most adults that I've ever met. I said, you dude, I said, you little dude, you you pick our topic, I will do it. He goes, the chupacabra. I'm like, all right, a little tiny dog thing that sucks the blood out of animals. How do we make this nine-year-old appropriate? <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, well, I, I think that the whole story is nine-year-old like appropriate. I'm like, no. I knew about the story when I was nine. You are it weird. It didn't screw me up. We are weird. Okay, <laughs> we are not. We are not a good litmus test for what is for what is like a normal nine-year-old. I think. Okay, let's let's get into cattle mutilation. Let's. Start. Yeah, that, this is what we're gonna be talking about, guys. That's what we're talking about, and hopefully we don't get kicked off YouTube for this one. I don't think we will. So, okay, Vic, describe what a typical cow mutilation looks like okay generally the story will start with the farmer discovering that one of the members of the herd is missing or finding the body 
if they're missing, they then have to go track it down. Upon finding the body, they find the animal dead, missing certain select parts, usually soft tissue. We're talking genitals, anus, lips, eyes, eyes tongue, tongue th- things along those lines. But unlike when they've lost it previously, these organs, which are usually the first ones to be scavenged by predators, do not show ter- or scavengers do not show the telltale signs of uh, basically anything feeding off it. These pieces do not look as if they've been ripped off, but instead look surgically removed and almost cauterized as if, as if with a laser. Now, you might be thinking to yourself initially, well, wouldn't that normally be just, I don't know, some predator maybe eating one of these things? Now, I'm just a simple city kid that didn't grow up in the city. But I'm pretty sure that if I see a photo of a that I that if I see a photo of a cow that's been mauled by a wolf, it's gonna be kind of messy, you know. I'm gonna you know I'm gonna be able to say, hey, I think a bigger animal got this thing, and that's just not typically what these cows look like, you know. It's enough that very experienced farmers will go, maybe I should call somebody. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> like that's not quite right. Anyone who's raising animals in a large enough number where they have to deal with occasional losses is going to be familiar with what a scavenged carcass looks like. And more often than not, with many of these bodies when they're found, there's rarely any ever footprints of other animals that are found around these cows. Heck, there's rarely any signs of anything at all being around. Yeah, it's normally like, it's almost like they just dropped right then and there and it happened to them right there. Something even more, like, in many of the photographs that you'll find online of these things, there's no claw marks on any of the animals that would indicate any sort of scavenger animal or predator had gotten to one of these things. And most scavengers, when they are removing part of a corpse, they're not discerning about how they do it. They kind of get in there, get the piece removed, get it swallowed, and move on. They're not worried about the corpse looking nice afterwards. Because initially going into this phenomenon, I knew of this phenomenon, but I it was hard for me to believe without looking into this that this just I, wasn't some sort of an, an example of some animal doing something like this. But when you really break many of these cases down, there's so many weird things that come up in these cases that it it almost screams that something else has to be going on in these situations. Because, I mean, what, people have been raising cattle and domesticated animals for, what, 2,000 years? Did you just say 2,000 years? Okay, 5,000. Oh, 7,000 years. What, <laughs> okay, whatever. now we're getting close. Sorry. Okay. 2,000 years. <laughs> Again, vaccine. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry, my bad. Uh, no, the, we, for 7,000 years. And you know when something's not right. You know, it's part of the natural cycle. You know something We had right. Rome over 2,000 years ago. <laughs> I apologize. I misspoke. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Please continue, please continue. And, I mean, the first thing else that I want to talk about, too, is this, not even, this isn't even just limited to cows. But cows are the number one prime example. Like, it's like cows are number one, and then it's a long drop to number two to number ten on this list of what people will find also in this state. You can also find examples of sheep, elk, deer. Uh, oh, God. What are some other ones that I found? Occasional little horses. Horses. Yeah, yeah. Horses are, is another example of things like that, too, uh, that, have, that follow the same pattern. But primarily, I think, in this episode, we're going to be talking about cows because that's the number one. Far and away, it yeah, is the biggest Yeah, thing. it's a very big jump in between 
like cows and the, the number two, which are probably horses. But where do you want to start? Uh, okay, I want to. I, I want to start. Of how how long has this phenomenon been going on? Because whenever I think about a topic again, I want to think about like when 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 can we get a missile from when did this thing first start? And I was finding examples of of animal harvesting that go back as far as like 1600 because there was there was reported cases in England of massive of like over 100 sheep being discovered mutilated mutilated the same way that we're describing now and even there's even other examples of cows having this happen to them in the 19th and 20th and and in the 8th the 19th and 20th century as well Interesting, because many people associate with being a primarily modern occurrence. It goes back further than I, when it really picks up and takes off is in the 1960s, and I and like a lot of stuff involved because of eventually, guys, we're going to be getting to the conversation about UFOs and aliens. We're going to get there. You know, these stories really start taking off in the 1960s because this is when you know communication, like mass communication, really like takes off. Okay, we have to put this into context when you understand the paranormal. Okay, people didn't even have TVs. Like, and the first presidential debate didn't even happen until 1969. You know, like spitballing the date there. I'm pretty sure it's 69. Kennedy Nixon. So the way for people to be able to really communicate with each other to kind of keep tabs on these things um, kicks up a lot more around that time frame. So likely it pre-existed this yeah. by quite some time. Yeah. It's just people weren't communicating about it and no one was understanding that this is something that happens to more than just them. Yeah, because again, who are you going to tell? <laughs> yeah. I mean, really? Like, you know, and, you know, like our favorite go-to guy, John Keel, was writing about these in the 1960s. I mean, yeah. uh, right even before, like, even, like he was documenting this in his journals in 1965. And this, people don't even believe this didn't even really kick off until about 1966 with like the first major story involving it. Yeah, I first became aware of this during, I think, the late 90s when, you know, a lot of this stuff was just starting to be publicized on TV, X-Files was on, things like mm -hmm. that. And I think that's how I initially became aware of it. Because all through the all through the 70s and the 80s, people were heavily investigating stories of communism like across the United across the United States. Like I don't really know about outside the United States, but I definitely know here in the States that I mean Congress, the federal government was getting involved in order to investigate communism because it was happening in mass, like on mass. Sorry, I'm just asking you to take that away from me. I won't stop clicking it. Okay. Sorry about that. Okay. Where do you have someplace else you want to go? Let's start, let's start there. We, so we've established that this is something that has happened in the past before. So where do you want to go from here? I want to go... Are you ready to talk about the why or the who? I think those let's are do, the let's two the, let, natural yeah. places to go. Which one do you want to talk about? Let's do the who, first? because that's where everybody argument... That, that's where you'll break... That's where the meat and potatoes, I think, in this conversation is really good. Okay, be. there's a handful of primary culprits that people cite. Uh, one big one is people will cite a cult's occultic groups coming out and doing this, Satanists, other practitioners of the occult. And I know for a fact that this thought had existed for quite some time. My father used to be a ranch hand, and he did once tell me that sometimes 
stra- strange things would happen to the animals. They'd die in weird ways. And he was always told that it's like Satanists coming out and doing it. He was always somewhat skeptical about that idea. But mm-hmm. at least we can confirm that that was definitely in the mind of people at the time. Oh, absolutely. In the 1970s, like mid-1970s, late 1970s, is really when this massive satanic panic started really blooming in the United States. And people really started pointing to these to these calculations like, like this is evidence of this happening. Like so much so, like the federal government got involved in initiating, and got the FBI to start investigating these uh, these these calculations, what was going on. Now, I saw on one of the History Channel UFO shows, I can't remember which one, where they brought out a occult specialist and to analyze the scene to see if there's anything occultic being related. I don't know what occultic traditions this guy had studied because he one of the things he says like, oh, they take the eyes, they they took the liver. I mean, there's no occultic reason for someone to do this yeah. sort of thing. And I'm like, what are you talking about? There are tons of occultic reasons for someone to take those sort of things. Like, I am a skeptical a skeptic of the occultic argument. I don't think they could pull it off without leaving more trace evidence around. But at the same time, I could understand the motive of a occult group coming out and doing this. Many of the things that they are harvesting are generally important to occultic groups. He also said that um, it couldn't be any sort of sacrifice because if it wasn't done on the scene, it would actually displease whatever god they were worshipping. <laughs> and once again, I'm like, what? What traditions are you talking about? There are tons of mystical traditions where it is entirely appropriate to gather these and then conduct it in a temple or within a circle or in some other ceremonial way. Heck, almost all of historical medieval magic, I'm talking about Agrippa, John Dee, tracing it back to the Middle East with the Picatrix, you can go to the Key of Solomon, um... Almost all of these involve gathering parts of animals and then taking them somewhere to begin a occultic practice. So I don't know what this guy's talking about. He claims that it's not a thing, but I could definitely see the motive here. Well, I I, I think we have to put some context here. I don't necessarily think that, if we look through history, that leaders of government are very good at understanding uh, occult practices. (laughs) <laughs> like there's been a couple of hiccups throughout history, you know. I'm not going to name any names. Squares Inquisition, um, where maybe there were some misunderstandings that was going on. But, you know, but now the ATF in uh, 1975, they 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 set out on to investigate whether or not if these chemicals were actually done by satanic cults. And what was weird was they come back and say, no, there's no clear evidence of any of this going on. And I, I would believe that. But, but if you listen to local law enforcement, they will say that's not true, that there's several eyewitnesses that have actually reported uh, seeing occult people out let, in let the Let me field. ask, is it these mysterious individuals in black robes that seem to pop up in rural, uh, rural counties? Hang on now. I don't know if... First, are you discrediting my, my, my case before I even bring no, it up? No, no, no. No, I'm, go- I'm doing the other thing. Oh, okay. I, I legitimately... Okay. Okay. 
all sorts of rural areas have these accounts of people doing some sort of magical practice within their communities wearing black robes. Yes, that's very Scooby-Dooey, but I'm not going to mark this off as, oh, people in rural communities are just, just stupid and think there's witches. No, I grew up in a rural community. I've seen some very odd, like, I, I've mentioned this on here before. I have found on several er, trips down into the swamplands and deeper woods where someone has taken bones or parts of deer carcasses and nailed them to trees in extremely bizarre patterns. I can only assume this is likely some form of occult practice. And no, this isn't like someone hanging up deer bones to dry out. This is whatever was going on here was clearly something different. Absolutely. Two example uh two two stories that I've got for you guys. Um September September 1975, a forestry service employee in Blaine County, Idaho, reported seeing a group of people in black hooded robes. Several cattle were found mutilated in the area the following day after this witness's report. October 9, 1975, a motorist on the US Highway 95 in northern Idaho in an area of frequent cattle mutilation reported uh, to police that 15 masked individuals formed a roadblock with linked arms forcing him to turn around. I really wish they would have shared what sort of mask. Mm -hmm. Probably, honestly, probably the details probably didn't get probably didn't get into. Now, granted, I understand that interview practices back in the fifties and eighties are terrible. It's true. It's true. Modern forensic interviewing is, as of today, is literally the antithesis of what they did back then. However, again, I don't want to just discredit anybody's eyewitness account of what they were reporting at the time. So, because again, it's not like I'm, I mean, it's either you believe them or you don't. So, personally, I think there is a cult activity that goes on out there. I don't think that it is attached to the cattle mutilation situation, but I do believe that there is a cult practice going on out there that is very not on the level. Maybe they could be responsible for some, but I don't think they're responsible for the mass amount. We're doing this one. I know that we're, we're, I'm going to bring up the same argument that I'm going to bring up later when we discuss kind of like the theory that this is the government behind this, but wouldn't it just be easier for a cult like this to just have their own farm where they do this? Like what's the, what's the point of having to sneak out to somebody else's farm in order to do this? Well, one possibility is cattle raising is expensive. Are you just saying, are you saying these cultists are poor? No, but I'm saying it could be a possibility that they don't possess the land or funding to uh, create a proper cattle farm. Or maybe they even lack the skills. Well, I'm going to counter-argument with that with, as we've seen throughout, like as we've been doing this podcast, and we've discussed this at length before, that there is this huge uh, link to occultic activity and social elites that seems to be going on. I would assume these are probably not them. But Just yeah, saying. I mean, if they had the means, I don't know why they wouldn't do it unless part of the uh, part of it is the act of taking someone else's. Which, truthfully, stipulations. I my focus is really more medieval grimoires and stuff like that, less on modern occultic practices. We'd have to drag Ellie in here to get that that perspective. But I don't know of a whole lot of trends where it says. Yeah, you need this specific ingredient, and it has to be stolen. Could you imagine how terrible of some sort of right this would have to be? Like, most cultists generally are very, in my mind, are very skinny people, not the most toughest individual. And you're tasked with going out and having to, like, wrangle a 5,000-pound animal. 
Well, I mean, with the right tools they can handle, you can approach a cow in a field pretty easily. I mean, they're... They're docile. I'm not saying you can go up and kick the bull in his testicles, but like if you're just walking up to a cow, even if you're unfamiliar with them, I mean, most of them are chill enough to just kind of let you walk up. And then if you have the right tools, you could probably end it pretty quick. Now, I, I know there's specialized tools for killing cows quickly. I The farm I grew up on was not a cattle farm. I What I know about cattle farms comes from like stories my dad told me and cattle farms from some of the people who lived around me. Mm. <sighs> I mean, and if you look at state investigations in New Mexico, many of the cases that they had there actually had, like, even toxicology reports that came back that showed evidence in many of these cannulations that the cows had uh, tranquilizers and anticoagulants, like, in their bodies at the time whenever this happened. Which is interesting because... With the tools that we have, I kind of figure you don't really necessarily need a tranquilizer. Tranquilizers are for animals when you need to take something out of them and you want the animal to survive. I really don't think a cultist is going to really be that worried about it when they're obviously going to be removing things. Like in many cases, the heart's missing. If you're going to be removing the heart, why use a tranquilizer instead of just killing them? Unless you need them alive when you take it out. Like if you're doing this for like, say like maybe if you want to transplant it and you don't want any form of cellular death to occur. Or minimize cellular death, I should say it that way. One of the, I think one of the most frustrating things for me when investigating this topic is when you, yeah, it's been this parallel. You want to know the why, right? You guys want to know the why. Why are things doing this? Yeah, we're going to get to those theories here in a second. If you look at many of the reports of like the toxicology reports from many of these animals that get ran, you know, what's there, what's not, like what's not there, like not there, these chemical compositions, across the board, they're different. I know that I even talked about just in New Mexico, like some of them finding tranquilizers, but like all across this whole topic, it's not consistent. And that's one of the most, that's strange to me. That you'll see stuff with like different vitamin deficiencies and different ones of these. You'll find different metal. Uh, you'll find different metals that are found on some of these an uh, that are on some of these animals. And, and, and it's weird. It's almost like it's hard to find an exact science of what is something doing and why. What is it doing and why? Or even the methodology. Who you want to move on to next? Who's our, Who's the next person to line up in our rogues gallery? Do we want to blame the government? Yeah, we can go ahead and blame the government for it. <laughs> That's super easy. Okay. In many of these cases, people will spot black helicopters moving through the air very silently just before cattle mutilations occur. So a lot of people have assigned to it to being perhaps the government doing it. And we've heard plenty of stories within the paranormal. And if you've been involved in the community for very long, I'm sure that you've heard of these fully silent black helicopters before. This is probably not a new idea to you. So a lot of people just attribute it to them. In the federal investigation that came down in uh, Colorado regarding the cow mutilations, they they put out their final report, and like as many of these final reports, predominantly they blamed on natural predators is what they said. But so many people critical of the government's findings in that pointed to that they ignored so many eyewitness accounts from the ranchers 
out in Colorado. Also, who, where, how are these natural predators getting anticoagulants and uh, sedatives? No, so I anticoagulants, I maybe, because I know flies and mosquitoes have some. I don't think in the mounds we're talking, but I'm clearly not a sedative. I can't say that the sedatives are found in Colorado, but they left out so many accounts of ranchers reporting seeing black helicopters right before the cattle mutilations. And it, it frustrated some people. Actually, half of all cow mutilation stories in Alabama involve black helicopters. These black helicopters that come in at night very quietly, silently, even in many people, many ranchers' reports across the country saying they've had to run from these things. They've had to flee from these things. Even Nick Redford has had some yes. of these black helicopter encounters. And it's so... It's so weird to me about why you would be seeing the about why you would be seeing these things. I think some of it is like people's theory is that they're the reason about why you're not seeing like tracks around the animal is something is lifting these animals up into the air and then setting it back down. Whether it's like lifting up in the air and then they go and do it or they take it away and bring it back, whatever. Or they're just dropping it there and there. I don't know, but Okay. So yeah, there's usually not tracks around. There's usually not signs of much movement at all, even to a peculiar amount where you would expect the corpse to have already attracted, uh, attracted scavengers. But if we're talking about this as the military, are we assuming that they're lifting up? Because I know in some cases people have said that there is a, the only markings on the ground is kind of like this tripod-like stand sort of thing. So are we assuming that they're lifting them up and then maybe doing it in the helicopter or taking them to another facility? But my question is, if they're taking it to another facility, why even return the body? Yeah, why bring it back in the why bring it back in the first place? I mean, some people blame that the government and and occasionally I kind of get this because if you look at the phenomenon of this, there is a huge discrepancy about what the federal government says about these mutilations versus what state governments say about these mutilations. When literally Federal government be like, oh no, it's no big deal. It's just natural predators that are doing this. They're dying of diseases. And state government's going, guys, this is just not. This is weird. This is not. This is just not okay. I feel that almost lends credence to this is something to do with the government, and they're hiding it on a certain level. But why? Like, I go back to the point that I made with the cultists, and it's, I think it's even stronger than the federal government. The federal government owns hundreds of miles of private land. And has way more money than anybody would. Why on earth would they need to go to a person's private ranch and take one of these things? They could do it themselves. Ah, oh, but you've activated my trap card, nerd. Okay. The thing is, one possibility isn't that it can be any cow. Perhaps they're taking samples of a cross-section where it wouldn't be important for... It, it wouldn't help them if they're just raising their own cows. They need a cross-section of the cows that might be going to market because perhaps they're testing for something that they don't want us to know about. They could easily buy these cows from any one of these markets. They could easily do that. But they want to test it before it could even go to market. I think they have the tools and the ability probably even now, because this still happens now, they have the tools to be able to do this for this. They don't need to mutilate these cows. I believe any technology that they would need to be able to do to investigate these things, they have that now. It what still if it's, happens. What if it's a prion? What's a prion? Okay. This is not something I know a whole lot about. I'm Truthfully, guys, I'm hoping I'm using my terms correctly. Prions are like viruses, 
if viruses could be immensely smaller. Prions are extremely hard to study because they're so small we can barely really, we've only recently even discovered them in the last decade or so. And they're so small they're very hard to treat for. Um, like mad cow is one of the few examples of a prion disease I can think of. And often they, and we know at least in that one, it can jump to humans through consumption. Prion disease, I know, is something that people who work in the fields of immunology and uh, focus on um, like epidemiology. Is, wait, is, that, is it epidemiology, the study of epidemics? I'll go with that, yeah. I think I'm using that right. Okay. Um, they're very worried about these prion diseases because they function differently than what we know how to fight. And they're much harder for us to treat with the tools we already possess. Um, they're kind of scary because they're so small, we have a hard time really understanding how to do anything about them. One of, my, one of the things I wonder is if there's a prion disease or something like that out there that they don't want us to know about, because they don't want to cause a panic, and they're going through and testing cross sections of the basically of what's going to become our food source to make sure it doesn't get in there. Because you could test a whole herd by checking just one if it's a contagious enough disease. Prions are actually so alien. Many people, and I don't mean alien as extraterrestrial, just being so strange, that many people hesitate to even necessarily call it life just saying that it's this strange protein. So that's one possibility of why they couldn't just farm this themselves. I think that you're right in that they are looking for something in particular, or they needed like specific cows. But of that, I'm not 100% sold on this theory. That's just a possibility. I, I think there is something special about the particular cows that are being picked. Um, I was reading a research paper, and it was talking about a gentleman by the name of Dr. Howard Burgess, who was investigating cow mutilations on the Apache Indian Reservation. And while he was investigating there, and he was and he was checking these cows, he found that uh, a couple of the cows actually had been marked with a substance that popped up on a fluorescent light. They had been popped up on their back, and when they removed it and they sent it off to a lab to be evaluated. Like while they're looking at it, the fluorescent light part, like it, like it turns off, like it just vanishes or something happened where, where it no longer comes up on ultraviolet light. Okay. There goes my theory. Cause <laughs> what I was going to say was perhaps this is a unique form of branding that had been used. Maybe not even by the owner that currently had the cow. Maybe it was from a previous no, owner. And I know but if it, but that wouldn't vanish. No. And I, and I don't think that, I don't think you're entirely wrong. There's a lot of people in this feel that when they look at this phenomenon, they think it has to be something about these particular cows that people are looking at. The You talk about that uh, that crappy occult expert that that one team brought in, because you're referencing uh, uh, one of the episodes on the History Channel when they were talking about this, because I, I saw the same one. In that same episode, they also were talking to a rancher that had found like precious metal in, oh, the, yeah, yeah. in the head of the cow that, that also moved. <laughs> that made them think that some sort of tracker or something was in the ear of one of these cows and it moved. Yeah, and that reminded me of, I actually wasn't going to bring this part up, but that, that reminded me of a old show that I was watching oh, years ago, I wouldn't even remember the name, but where a guy's, a doctor is operating on a man who has what he believes to be an alien implant. 
And while he's trying to remove it, he's having a hard time get, getting a hold of it. He even says it's almost like it's like the, this is trying to move away, <laughs> away from, from me. me. It's like he's trying to get out of my grasp. That's something that's in that's so, probably another topic too that we're going to be end up talking a lot more about too. People like having these implants. finding these implants in them and stuff. I think there's something could be to the the idea of that these particular cows are being marked for some for some reason. But again, it's it's weird because when you look at that theory as compared to using like a substance that pops up on fluorescent lights, it's it seems like it's for the same thing, but it's for two different methods. Ah, and and I'm almost I'm I'm almost at a loss for words, as because I think it makes it harder for the the who and the why, you know. Like a few days ago when we were doing the men in black topic, you had brought up a idea or a idea to us. And you said, can you think of any other phenomena where humans and the paranormal are both trying to do the same thing? And I almost get that sort of feel I from, do. A, or from cattle mutilation as well. Because even if you don't buy the government or the human involvement... We still have to explain the black helicopters. Now, perhaps they're screen memories. Perhaps they're there to try to fight off the extraterrestrials. Maybe there is an explanation that would mean that they're there, but not specifically for harvesting. And talking about the idea that these things are aliens, that it's some sort of extraterrestrial thing. People have been speculating that about these cow mutilations because many times when people see these things, they... Not only see UFOs, or sorry, they not only see black helicopters, they see UFOs at the same time. So mm -hmm. many reports come, people little said they'll see strange lights in the sky, cigar-shaped objects. I get through particular examples at you guys, but again, there's just so many that just run the gamut at the same time as these cabinations. And you'll find stories uh, like, of there was a particular story where a woman was talking about a, a cow that she had found, and there was uh, like triangular indents in the ground uh near the cow and like two bushes were flattened which was very similar to the Rendlesham forest uh ufo where they found triangular indentions in the ground because many people speculate like the only way that like you had to use some sort of bizarre technology to levitate these things off the grounds and drop them from a from a high altitude because many of these cows are also found with like broken legs yep. <laughs> like they've like they've just been dropped somewhere what do we want to talk about next? Why? Well, don't we have some more rogues to oh, line up for our gallery? Oh, no, no, no. Okay, okay. The other example that you could do is you could just say these are just sadistic people just doing these for the sake of just being sadistic. Okay, that one I did not research, so oh, no, 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 no. I will let you enlighten um, me on that. Absolutely. So the theory, the theory goes is that this is just human behavior. Like if you think about most serial killers and how they operate, many of them began with torturing animals when they were kids, right? They they did this. Uh, they do normally do it on uh, dogs, cats, things like that. But there's also been evidence, you know, where we've seen them do these things on larger evidence, larger evidence on larger animals as well. Going back to the federal investigation that happened in uh, in New Mexico in 1979. Uh, the federal government came in, they investigated cow mutilations again. They tried to claim that, no, that this was just a natural animal that was doing these to these animals and that it's not anything that's really, that's out there. Uh, this New York State Patrolman, Gabe Valdez, he came forward and he said that uh, one of the things that he said was during this time, whenever they were investigating the cow mutilations, that 
they stopped in the area. That whenever the federal government came in to investigate what was going on with the accumulations, like like they almost like all the cases dried up. But then way north, that's where they picked up. Like almost something had moved on uh, into the area. And also at the same time, many people will point to examples of accumulation that the incisions or the cuts improve over time. If you try to like connect them all together, like we often like to we do like we like to do on the podcast. So what they'll say is, oh, it's improving over time. It's moving around with human, when like when the cops are nearby. So that has to be evidence that it's some sort of serial killer that's doing this for their own perverse pleasure. Or just anyone or thing that doesn't yeah, want to yeah. get caught. Well, yeah, but, but at least it's moving very, I mean, this, I mean, it's very like criminal-esque behavior. I could see a person that whenever they think that the cops are moving in, that, you know, they can't keep doing it here, but, you know, the urge creeps up in their mind and they got to move to a new location to do this. Wouldn't this be quite a spread and require an extremely active killer? Yeah. Well, you could have a tr- a trucker. I'm not trying to throw truckers oh, under the yeah. I'm not yeah, trying to throw truckers under the I'm not trying to throw truckers under the bus, but anybody who has a a job that takes them across the that takes them across the country where they're not encountering a whole lot of the same people all the time, you know, easily could be a person that it could be a person that in the 1970s Okay, 70s and 80s here could be under the radar doing these sorts of things. Now, granted, the fact that it's been going on for hundreds of years, I that makes I don't think it's entirely just that. I mean, this would have to be a extreme deviant subgroup of humans that we have just not discovered, and I don't think it's possible. You know, we know more about serial killers now, and I think if there was a weird group of deviant humans that were mutilating animals, I think we would have picked it up by now. They would also have to be very skilled, very skilled individuals to leave such a lack of evidence. Yeah, I, I don't think Which serial killers sometimes are. Well, yeah, but I, but again, I, I, we know a lot about how serial killers operate. We know a lot more about that mind now than 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 what we did back in the nineteen seventies. I, I think if I think that if it was a person that was doing this, we would know about this behavior. I think one of them would had got caught. Something would have happened. And would have came forward. And also, I don't think that we would have seen this just massive amount of just arguing between disagreement between the state and local, uh, state and federal government. Now, I think you were wanting to talk about cryptids too as a culprit. Yeah, uh, that was that was another theory that I had too. Because if you look at how many of these go down, I have a real hard time believing that this is any human being that's doing this. Actually, if you remember, do you remember, uh, what was it, was it the Iowa Dragons? The Illinois Dragons? I think they were in Iowa. I think they were in Iowa. I remember when we were talking about that case, um, I don't recall what episode, but I remember a farmer saying that he had seen one of these large flying reptilian creatures swoop down and take one of his cows. And I, I remember, like, them saying that this happens from time to time. I... I don't think it was a dragon. I don't think it was a dragon. I think a dragon would be way messier and take more than that. I I would I would almost have to blame a cryptid or something doing something like this. We're seeing learned behavior that's not being that's not being caught. We've talked so much about like winged humanoids on this channel about like how how do they feed? How do they like how could they sustain themselves? I think we've seen behavior like this where you're targeting very specific organs in other animals, like killer uh, killer whales will target great white sharks, purely for their liver. Like that's what they want. 
Like that's 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 their favorite thing from great white sharks, and they will hunt them down, eat that part, and then leave the body. You know, eat the liver to gain their strength. Yeah, you know. So what if this is something going on like that with some sort of a cryptid, where the cryptid particularly wants these bits of cows because they like them? And we have heard of cryptids leaving a phosphorescent mark yeah. before, like yeah. the green clawed beast here in Evansville. Hundreds of years, hundreds of years of be, of. Of evolution, of evolution, then being able to learn behavior, of being able to do this behavior better, of being able to like surgically precise remove these things. And in in many cases, the cow is missing its blood. So I guess this could be something that's a blood feeder, and then picking off particular soft parts of the flesh, which yeah. are things that that is scavenger behavior. But then the question is, do you think most well, the things we're not talking about a particular culprit. Like it would have to be a cryptid that would be smart enough and dexterous enough and have the proper tool set to effectively surgically remove something. Many flying humanoids that we've described have the physical strength. I think to probably have to, they could take down a cow. They're described often with claws, sharp teeth. Who says they oh. can't? Use, who says they can't use tools? And I 100% believe that something like the NASA gargoyle could take down a cow with probably not a lot of effort, coming at it from surprise, hitting it hard with that huge muscular body, probably just coming down and just delivering a fatal strike would work fine. Um, but at the same time, none of it's not animal behavior to surgically remove. It just would be more effective for them just to rip it out. Because like, the things we're not seeing tearing on these missing organs, we're seeing very precise lines. If your goal is to feed, and assuming that we're talking about something of a more ant animal intellect than a human intellect, but I guess like maybe many cryptids do possess a higher intellect. And I have thrown. But the question is, why do it then? I have thrown the argument out that of like skinwalkers not being a predominantly thing in the southwest of it being more of a practice that is widespread across the world when it comes to like winged humanoids and there is a occult aspect of that as well you could easily slide that into this theory now i know i'm way out there guys i understand that don't get me wrong i i get that but I, I I don't I have a hard time believing it's just regular dudes in hoods and robes going out to do this. I think they get caught. I don't think it's the government. They have they have the money and the means to do this on their own. I I don't think it's aliens particularly. I think that aliens could have. I the timeline to me doesn't. I I I don't really think that aliens would be this particular around humans and this sloppy with animals at the same time this is going on. Alien abductions are a lot more finite and crafty than than uh, than than these mutilations. I don't I don't think it's the same. But why surgically remove instead of rip? Maybe it makes it easier for the practice. I don't know. Like it's, I, I guess possibly uh, that that that's the thing that gets me stuck on the cryptid theory is the whole. I just don't know why go through that because think about it like this. If they showed up and got these organs and they ripped them out, like a coyote might, then the farmer comes out and sees the corpse and go, oh crap, we lost Bessie. Obviously, she died <laughs> through the sort of means that, you know, we usually find our animals dead. Right. These are being killed in a way that the farmer's like, okay, this isn't normal. This is pretty weird. 
and uh, it that just strikes me as very odd for something that could to, that would be physically capable of just ripping it out and likely be easier to do this very highly suspect sort of behavior. It just that's the that's the question I would need to have answered before I could really move further on the cryptid idea. But we haven't talked about the number one suspect yet. What? Aliens? aliens. No. Well, yeah, that's true. People blaming aliens for these things. Yeah, they're the number one thing that people throw out. They think that they're that they're harvesting cow organs for genetic experimentation. I've heard I've heard theories of hybridization for some reason, and that's why they target cows more than anything. Like, truthfully, I don't think it's the worst idea out there. I can tell by the by the way you're saying it that you really don't like this one. But I think that there's some possibility to it. It's, I think it's, I think there's some workability here. It's so sloppy. Like, it, it's sloppy compared to human abduction. That's the problem that I have. It's not sloppy when you look at it like it's just as an animal, but if you compare it to humans, it's just... There, there's so much evidence, and so much of the theory when it comes to aliens is that they're trying to cover the tracks, they're not trying to get caught, and they're just leaving... Um, Mutilated dead body is evidence. I just, I can't, I can't. It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, one possibility would be that they don't think they need to clean it up because it's not a human. But at that, my thoughts that make this make sense to me come more in the motive. Um, I think it would make sense for them to take the soft tissues for testing purposes. I believe that it makes sense for them to take the blood because, well, cow blood can be used in place of human blood if necessary. I think it would make sense for if they're trying to create hybrids that they would utilize potentially the blood for things like incubation or if the hybrid was having an issue, assuming that their blood was similar enough that they could do a transfusion with it. Um, and I think it makes sense for them not to just take it and farm because, well, if you're going to be using these to generate blood, you need the animal to be healthy so it regenerates blood and tissue quickly. And for a cow to be healthy requires very specific sort of parameters, mainly lots of space. And perhaps they're working in a situation where they can't spare large amounts of space for proper cattle ranching. Or possibly they don't have the right skill set. But even but even going back to all of the contactee stories of like the 1950s, there is still this huge evidence of aliens trying to cover up their tracks in the alien contacting narrative. You know, they're like, don't tell anybody, whoosh, people disappearing, whatever you want to, whatever you want to say. And this phenomenon continues the exact same way in the exact same amount of frequency, like almost 70 years later. And I just, I just don't see with that much effort being put into covering up human, not wanting to leave evidence, that they would literally just leave a um, 2,000 to 5,000 pound piece of evidence like that. I just can't. It just, I can't, I, I can't. It just, it doesn't and, make any sense to me in the narrative. But what you going to do with that evidence? I mean, clearly we have all this evidence and we haven't managed to do anything with Space it. Space is a giant dumpster. Okay. <laughs> Say, there is so much garbage floating around the United, or floating around in space around the Earth. You easily could dump okay, space. Okay, okay. Give, give me a sec here. Give me a sec here. You're saying that they could handle their evidence better and be less sloppy, and then you're suggesting <laughs> dumping it in space. Okay, now what is more suspect here? 
weird animal corpse found on farm, which clearly people aren't taking very seriously, and we obviously can't come to a solid conclusion ourselves, or the same situation, but is floating in orbit around Earth. That is a big red flag. <laughs> that people are going to ask, why is there a cow floating around? Especially if they're doing it this often, they're going to ask, why is there a herd of cows just floating around Earth's orbit? Oh I mean, God. sure, they're going to be sucked into the orbit eventually and burn up in the atmosphere, but then someone's going to get hit by a falling, flaming cow skull. I can just, I I, just, I just I, see some astronomer now like teaching in class being like, all right, kids, here you can see Mars and Venus, and here's Bessie the cow. Fly. <laughs> Make a wish on a shooting cow. <laughs> but I, I think it's the least suspect thing to do is to just leave it, I guess. Nah. Or I guess perhaps just incinerate it so the person thinks the cow wanders off. Because here's a question. Why are the... if it's If it's aliens or if it's humans doing it, if you have the means to remove the corpse, why leave the corpse? Why not dispose of it in an incinerator or something like that? Because then they'll think, oh, hey, the cow wandered off or someone stole a cow, which is will get you in way less trouble than, hey, they actually did an autopsy on this cow and found sedatives. Like, that's one of the things that gets me. And I le- I actually lean towards the it's humans doing it side. But it's ho- I don't know. It's, it's so hard to wrap my mind around this phenomenon. I don't know. I, at the end of the day, maybe I'll even just make the argument that I don't think that it's even one particular group of people doing it. It's a lot of different people doing it for the same reasons. There's just so... Or they're just evolving their tactics because there is so many things that are just different when you start seeing toxicology reports and you start doing like chemical analysis of what's going of of, of these corpses where they're not saying it looks the same but at a cellular level it's not and i am correct that you lean towards the um the cryptid camp right i think that it's a cryptid because to me it's an animalistic behavior you go in you get the part that you want and then you leave and you're and you're trying to avoid human threat. That to me sounds animalistic. I I think if there was any sort of real critical thinking skill that was going on in it, I don't think they leave the body. That's why I don't think that it could be cultists. I don't think it's serial killers. I don't think that it's aliens. I I can't. I just I can't. I can't be in any of those camps. It's too sloppy. Maybe it's the Snallygaster. Do you remember the Snallygaster? Wait, no, not the sound like yesterday. What, what was that cryptid that we were talking about um, a long time ago? It had like the, it looked like a, kind of like a pterodactyl with a laser beam. Oh, man, I know what you're talking about. Oh, the Van something visitor. Yeah. But the, oh, the Van Meter visitor or yeah, the, the Van, Van Meter yeah, monster. The monster. There you yeah. go. It's that, that's why people are signing UFOs. It's just that thing shooting off its laser in the sky. And the reason why the cuts are so surgical is it's lasery. And the black helicopters are here to try to catch these horrible laser shooting pterodactyls. God, I really like doing that episode. That was was a weird cryptid. You guys should check that episode. There's a ton of weird cryptids that we've just done. Do you think that we've done the subject justice? I think we've talked about... The only real thing that I think we haven't talked about is just natural decay. Because there's a lot of arguments of saying this is just natural decay. That is, the natural decaying process happens. You will see a lot of the similar decomposition things that happen. Well, yeah, the soft time... meats rot first. Well, no, not even that. But as they bloat, they'll yeah. stretch and create these like almost precision-like cuts. 
I think if that was the case, ranchers wouldn't call the cops. Yeah, that is that is exactly my <laughs> response. I, that is, we quickly dismantle that. I don't think they call the cops. Yeah, because obviously the rancher isn't going to waste time with a situation that it can that the rancher can yeah. recognize. Yeah, and fight like. And thousands, just, the rancher probably knows yeah. really well what a dead cow looks yeah. like and what it looks like in different stages of rot. Thousands of years have gone down. Farmers have had to pass down of how do you deal with a dead animal on your property. I think they know. Okay. I think we've done a fairly exhaustive. I'm pretty sure we're way over on time. <laughs> so are we ready to do our thoughts? Absolutely. In the comments below, put your guys' thoughts on what you guys think this is. Do you think that it is cultists? Serial kit like serial killers, the government, cryptids, aliens, like who like where do you got where do you guys fall? Let us know in the comments below what you guys think. If you guys are listening to this episode and you guys want to show us some support, best things you can do, like this episode, share it, leave us a review. Uh, don't forget if you're listening to this on YouTube, hit the notification bell. Subscriptions don't do anything. Hit the notification bell so it'll uh, let you guys know when we put out another episode. Wait, wait, wait. Subscriptions do slowly get us to our plaque. Well, that's true. But we want you guys to be able to listen to our stuff. That's what we want. <laughs> but I also want a plaque. Yes. Put your guys' thoughts on what you guys think of this for. Have you guys ever experienced any of this? Have you guys found one of these things? Comment, comment, comment below. We love getting comments from you guys. And, of course, we'll read them off in the next episode that we do this whenever we meet with Ricky on Saturday. So... What are your final thoughts? Okay, I'll go first. I think it is likely human, oddly enough. Either government or a private organization that has the ability to, or has the funding to have these black helicopters that are totally silent, slipping in. I think they're testing for something in our meat population. I think there's a possibility that there is something out there they don't want us to know about possibly one of these prion diseases. And they're testing to see if it is in our population and trying to make sure if it is, it can get removed before it can possibly spread. Or they're just scouting out for any new prion diseases that might be popping up they don't know about. Uh, reason for the secrecy, they don't want to cause a panic. Reason why they can't farther themselves, well, they need a cross-section of the population To me, I don't think it could be human behavior, okay? It's deviant cultures like cultists, secret government agents, even that are real, um, aliens, all have to work around in the shadows. They have to keep themselves hidden, and leaving a 2,000-pound piece of evidence is just too much. It What doesn't care about leaving a carcass? Animals. Some sort of animalistic mindset that wants to go, this is the part of the animal that I want. This is what I want to get. Now, if I'm going to go down that rabbit hole, again, understanding that many time, that most of the time there are no tracks that are found this, around this thing, you're not going to leave tracks when you drop on this thing from the sky. <laughs> so, uh, if I'm going to land in a camp somewhere, uh, flying a humanoid probably would love a, love a cow. It, it's going to be... It's going to give it the calorie content it needs. It's going to add, and, you know, and I, 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 that's the only thing that I can really think of in my mind to wrap my mind around this. Now, I don't know. You guys let us know what you guys think in the comments below. Um, don't go away too far yet because we've got some awesome, fun stuff in the Pillow Talk segment for you guys to talk about. We're going to be talking about a specific example 
involving the men in black. So, um, until next time, guys, keep believing. Because we'll keep listening. So, Marcus, I hear you got a story for us. Absolutely, guys. If you guys want to check out the rest of this podcast, all you have to do is go over to our patron and sign up. For as little as a dollar a month, you guys get the rest of all of our podcast episodes that we put up, as well as exclusive videos that we put up only for our patrons. And just so you guys know, this is actually the second recording of this, because during the first recording, I sneezed so many times, we decided to re-record sneezing. I had to go get a mask to protect <laughs> myself from whatever you had. I don't know, even if I got vaccinated, I don't think it would protect me. Um... That's right, guys. Later in this month, we're going to be putting up an episode specifically just for our patrons where we're going to be talking about the Bighorn Dam incident, which is a massive Sasquatch sighting. Super awesome. We're going to be talking about that awesome cryptid so you guys know that's our bread and butter. We love it. Uh, also, we're going to be putting up some stuff uh, just for you guys on our Patreon about our trip down to Cape City with Ricky. Yeah, I'm hoping to just kind of hook up my GoPro to the front of the car and... Us just have some awesome conversations about the paranormal on the way up and back. If you guys want a closer look at to see how the magic happens, our Patreon is is for you guys. Um, but talking about this awesome story that I got involving the men in black and cow mutilations. In January of 1997, a Puerto Rican police officer was driving home when he noticed a disc-shaped UFO left behind.